Hi, everybody. I'm Vincent. And I'm Emily. You've been listening to The Lighthouse Lowdown. Love it. I would have gotten a lot of flack for that if I had not hit it on time. It was close. I don't think so. Because I, I, when I edit, I realize I pick on you every single time. Mm. Even when you did it right. Of, I was like, picking. ooh, that was, that was kind of close. A little bit of picking. <laughs> so, welcome to the episode. Welcome. I prepared this, and then the day I was going to present it, I did not. So, we're all going to go on this ride together. What are you talking about? The day I was going to present this episode. Yeah. I was all prepared to go. I didn't do it that day, so now we're starting oh. cold. Yeah. Oh, I see. It was like a while ago? No, it was a couple of days ago. Oh. But we're good. Oh, yeah. That's um, right. I've got a couple of things to show you, including a video, so we'll see how the TV works mm. and all that. But thank you, everyone, for joining us. Are you, do you have a history buoy? I do. My history buoy for today <laughs> is <What>? clocks. <laughs> clocks. Is this nautical theme Specifically, clocks? United States Lighthouse Service clocks. Okay. So, I'm going to start off. I am already on board. There's a lot of different clocks used in lighthouses over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to cover the most prevalent from my research. Okay. So, they were made mainly by three different manufacturers. So, we're talking U.S.-based, right? Because U.S. Lighthouse Service. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can get way carried away. Yeah. Three manufacturers. And, Seth, and did you? No. Oh, good. I tried not to. Seth Thomas... Chelsea Clock Company and E. Howard Company. Okay. So here's two images of brass clocks. Uh, they're a little blown up, as you can tell. They're early 2000s images. Yeah. As best. So um, used to keep time at stations, light ships. Uh, so, you know, what are they called? Yeah, light ships, right? Uh, lighthouse tenders. Uh, light ships and lighthouse tenders. Make sure. Wow. <laughs> Caffeine is really off. coming for me. <laughs> <clears throat> so they're significant. Timekeeping in lighthouse, very lighthouse powerful. keeper's life is very significant mm-hmm. because they're looking at flashing pattern, making sure that's right after it's set up, making sure it's consistent. They're looking at fueling um, and they're noting time of significant events in their log books. Mm-hmm. So and, and like if you have to um, rewind the clockwork mechanism mm-hmm. and everything, that's all based on yep. passing time. When they're coming in, when they're going from service, they note their time in the logbook, as well as, uh, you know, vessel sightings or storms, anything like that. you got to have reliable clocks. Yeah. They have to be very high quality. They have to be seaworthy, if you were. Wow. If you will. Um, so, th- typically, you'd have a small, round brass clock that's mounted on a lighthouse wall uh, or a lighthouse vessel. Uh, and they're also used in the tower. Um, sometimes they had larger clocks that were in the lighthouse keeper's house. Like, uh, they have very ornate ones that are pendulum mm-hmm. style, but this is the most practical and it was a wound clock. Why brass? Um, because of, and this is still true today in like nautical construction because of its, um, resistance to rusting, Okay. especially a little saltwater spray. Nice. So. Yeah. On a ship, that would be important. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so most often they were made by the, the largest quantity of them was by a company in Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Chelsea company we mentioned. Okay. So Chelsea Clock Company, and they're still in business today. Cool. So wow. This is a snap from their website. Very fancy. Very they have expensive. Ship bells. All this ship bell. Look at the cost. Uh, why? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anywhere from twelve hundred to six thousand one hundred dollars. Um, for these clocks and these are all decorative so they're probably still very high quality Mm -hmm. but they've gotten a little ornate and you can see on the left they've got a bunch of collections yeah they're like gifts under three hundred (laughs) dollars yeah if you go to like target it's gifts under ten dollars (laughs) yeah so and i think i have one more image no i don't ignore that i'm not looking all right sometimes they have uh you know pendulum clocks like i talked about yeah, the like other grandfather type, clocks or, or just, mm-hmm. yeah. Or even like small grandfather, just like on the wall mounted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other type that's really popular, I didn't add an image, but there, there's lots of images. Um, pocket watches, small pocket watches were really big with lighthouse keepers. Um, most of them have US LHS like engraved on them. Ooh. Pretty cool. Uh, very collectible today. I want one of those. So those are usually bought from a vendor. So they weren't made by like three companies like most oh, of these clocks were. Yeah, that's my lighthouse buoy. It's clocks. Nice. Um, 
and you mentioned eight days once recently yeah. in an episode. Mm-hmm. It's going to come up again in this episode. Eight days is significant for several reasons, but these are eight day clocks as well. <gasps> cool. So most of the clocks were. Wait, what does that mean? You'd wind them every eight days. Or, oh. or really every week you'd wind them, but I it had eight days of runtime. Wind old clocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no electricity to them. Um, so like the the holes in the face of the clock there on the left, top left, uh-huh. that you put it a key in a <gasps> round key, and then you wind it. Wow. Which is the same as like a grandfather clock. So what do they do with their watches? They wound their watches. Yeah. What? Watches uh, as well. Watches. I don't think they last eight days. I doubt it. Like pocket watches, and How even could some I have nice, not known this? like nice wrist watches. The bezel on it, like I have an Apple watch I'm holding up. You don't wind this, but it's the same idea. And the, yeah. the bezel, you can actually pull them out and wind it, and it actually charges a spring that charges. It twists a spring, and then oh, someone who knows, tension. yeah, someone who knows better than I can explain watch work. There's different types of movements. and Interesting. Yeah. They have some. I wish I had included another picture on um, like Patriot Collection or Nautical Clocks that are like, black metal and they have a swinging face on them so like it covers it yeah um that aren't quite as ornate but they're still a thousand dollars i want to see nautical clock collection i'm gonna pull it up see patriot collection like that style where it's got this like the face like a porthole face nautical clocks yeah that's a perfect well that's oh i was wrong 320 bucks that's almost i think that almost goes under gifts under 300 (laughs) dollars 250 there you go. Keep scrolling. I like those navy ones. Those are cool. Yeah. These don't look very nautical to me. I was uh, expecting like, you know, with how expensive they are, they can't really make them. I'm thinking tacky nautical. And I think that just wouldn't fly. With I don't think that's their target. <laughs> but like, I really do enjoy this 24-hour <laughs> clock, which is cool. They have a 12-hour standard and yeah. then 24-hour. And it's like black dial white face a little crescent moon yeah it's just classy it looks tough like i like this um i don't know what to call it porthole right like a a window see what's behind it inspired by chelsea's world war ii navy engine room (laughs) i would love one if anybody at chelsea clock company wants to sponsor (laughs) the lighthouse lowdown or or seth thomas or e howard company if you're still around let us know I know Chelsea is, though, and I was drawn to this website. Yeah. So. Well, cool history, Bowie. Thank you. A little different. I've had that one in my pocket <laughs> uh. for a long time. <laughs> um, Awful. But, yeah. So today's, um, I'm just going to jump into it. Okay. Today, first, I'm going to tell you about the location, the town we're in, Excellent. which is not labeled on this image. Oh, but so there's colorful. There's the lighthouse back there. St. Augustine, Florida. Oh, yes. Also known as Florida. So this is what the if anyone listened to our lighthouse cocktail episode, this is what my wine gift was um, modeled after. Which I have right here. Oh, very nice. I'm gonna put that on the table. Is that We're unopened? Gonna, this is unopened. Hmm. I'm gonna talk about it later on. Okay. For the moment, I'm just gonna set it down. You can hear the. Nice. <laughs> I thought it was going to be more like a clink and not so much like a thump. Yep. So I don't remember which slides I have, so we're going to go through uh, that okay, together. Okay, so we're just living, yeah. But we're just living. So St. <laughs> Augustine, Florida is uh, on the northeast coast of Florida on the water. Okay. It is about 45 minutes from Jacksonville south. So mm-hmm. Jacksonville is the largest city that's nearby. Orlando is not far. I want to say an hour, hour and a half maybe. Um, it is technically... America's oldest city. Oh, my. It's founded in September of 1565 by Spanish explorers in Florida, I believe, uh, in their in the Spanish pronunciation is the land of flowers. Oh. Um, so, state of Florida today. Cool. Um, it's the oldest continuously inhabited European established mm-hmm. settlement in what is now the contiguous United States. Okay. United States. So, it's you could say the oldest town is Native American oh, developments, right. of course, but... The oldest what, English Western yeah. settled. So there's a lot of history for that reason in St. Augustine. It's a really cool little town. Do they have like ruins, like cool stuff? Yes. Ooh. There's a fort. There's ruins. There's an old town. There's a college uh, that used to be a hotel. 
Uh-huh. So it's like all in one building. It's beautiful. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Okay. There's only like fifteen thousand residents, is what the internet said. No way. I was really surprised given this image of like so much traffic going on. That is an island, and I can't, it technically it might be a different city, like township. Mm. Um, this bridge is kind of neat. I'm kind of going on tangents. Uh, I got coffee in me. <laughs> the bridge. I want to say it's the Lion's Gate or Gate of Lion. I can't remember. Uh, but there's what? two lions that are marble statue that are on the end of the bridge mm. that are modeled after the Medici lions, which are in Italy. What are those? And we saw copies of the Medici oh. lions in Sweden. In front of the palace. Mm-hmm. Yep. Made of bronze. And those so, are copies? Like, yeah. that's what they look like except in stone? Yep. Okay. Yep. I want to say marble. Um, probably, but probably marble. The original Medici lions. So I went on a tangent. It oh took me an hour, no. hour and a half. The original <laughs> Medici lions are carved in stone. One was, I don't know, a long time ago. And the other was made as a as a partner to it. Also, like, maybe 1700s. And so they're very old. Uh, and they're at the Medici family residence, which is in Italy. Mm-hmm. I think in Florence. Yeah. I would go on a tangent too if it had something to do with like so old cool. art for some reason sculptures yeah. and it's like statues and stuff may i really like them yeah yeah it's the the lion that has its paw on a globe yeah. or on a, a ball it's yeah. an orb contested of what it actually is oh there's but there's some drama mm. so there's two copies here there's copies all over the world but i thought that was kind of fun cool um i would really like to visit saint augustine and you're gonna see why now you're really interested Yep. You got, wow. Mm-hmm. There's the old town. Um, <gasps> kind of a market. You see ice cream on the left. That's where I should have my macaron shop. Gift shop on the right. Yeah, you can sell macarons there. What's the humidity like? It's Florida. <laughs> <coughs> no, maybe not. There's been uh, hurricanes here and there, so mm, it is what it is. The dusting. This is the lighthouse itself. So uh, the first thing that drew me to this lighthouse was actually their website. I think I found... It's not expecting. <laughs> I was wondering if I should interrupt and throw a, a guess out there for what actually drew you to this lighthouse, mm-hmm. and I never would have guessed yeah. website. <laughs> well, their website is really good, and I'll we'll talk about it, but okay. there's the wine bottle. So I was in Orlando, Florida, visiting a friend of mine, Jackson, that you know well. Now he lives here. But when he lived in... Oh, it was Tampa. He lived in Orlando before Tampa, but in Tampa, we went to Publix and they had this bottle of wine. He's like, you got to see this. I didn't know anything about it. It is a lighthouse um, shaped glass, which is modeled exactly after the St. Augustine lighthouse. I'm going to talk all about the winery as well. Okay. But so that led me to the website and here we are because their website is awesome and I'm actually going to show it to you. So there's a lot to see. I recommend you go and click around on your own. But I mean, like the interfacing, the symbol is cool. They're yeah, they have um, a nice logo. Like the format of the website is good, and then you can see there's a bunch of side links and more information. They do a lot of cool stuff at this. Aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, and then you can visit. There's also ghost tours. No, mm-hmm. I heard. Um, ghost I heard St. Augustine's pretty haunted. It is. They've you, got are you going to tell us about those? I know well, Halloween's over. But. We're not going into depth on the ghost tours. I figured that might be a, a separate. <sighs> there's a, there's so much to talk about. So, But I talked with, um, her name is Emma on email. She works with the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritine, Maritime Museum. Maritime. Maritime. Gosh. And she gave me uh, permission to check this out on our, on our episode today. So here you go. Nice. And she also wanted me to share a couple of things. So she didn't say this, but before she said they offer a new call, a new tour called the Twilight at the Top. So you can see a one hour after hours exclusive experience, see a working lighthouse and an active aid to navigation, learn how a lighthouse functions and enjoy the view from the top at twilight, which is pretty rare. That so would be see, so cool. See the sunset and see the lighthouse on. Yeah, and you, yeah, you'd have the lens going behind you. Mm. It says it's weather dependent. Of course. Um, children must be 44 inches or taller and accompanied by an adult. Yeah. Upcoming yeah. events. I don't know when we're airing, but uh, December 6th is Luminary Night, the Lighthouse Illuminations. Uh, tides, Tidings, and Trees. <laughs> the, <laughs> then they have events uh, November 22nd through January 13th um, if they want to experience those lighthouse events and after hours shows. I see. They also have a children's winter camp. 
So she asks that I share that with our listeners. So they've I would got be doing. Yeah. Continue. No, please. What would you be doing? All of it. <laughs> I would, I was gonna say I'd be doing myself a service by sending my child, my future child, to a a winter camp at a lighthouse. <laughs> I'd be like, go on, go on, have so much fun. I live vicariously through you. Here's a camera. Take some pictures. Yeah. <laughs> go on, kid. Take some pictures. Ask some ghost questions. Dark of the moon. I can't speak. Dark, Dark of, of the, the moon, moon ghost tour. <laughs> <laughs> ghost tales. Sunset Moonrise Tour, Lighthouse Illuminations. Champagne and hors d'oeuvres. Where's that? Sunset Moonrise Tour. Oh, Enjoy breathtaking yeah. views of the sunset and full moon rise with champagne and hors d'oeuvres at the top of the tower. Yeah. So they really um, probably bring in a lot of revenue for... Yeah. It looks to be in great shape. Anyway. They, they do. And they're, the reason... I was like, why is this so good? And I, I told <laughs> her... What's her name? Are you? Emma. Yeah, good thing you remembered. I told Emma... When I first reached out to her, I was like, your website is outstanding. We look into a lot of Lighthouse websites. We are probably the top 1% of people who are doing that. Yeah. And they have, uh, I mean, there's none that I've seen that are awful, but there are some like this one that are just outstanding. The, the graphics are great. Photography is great. It's got so many options. And I saw at the bottom, they are partners with both the American Alliance of Museums, which I wasn't familiar with, but also American the, Alliance. The, they're a Smithsonian affiliate. Oh my gosh. So big, big bucks, tourism, big museum efforts. Um, Emma is the, I believe she's the lead of their marketing team. So well. check out the website. Also, let's see if I can find it quickly. Research. All so those no gimmicks. You should talk. I, <laughs> I want to go here. <laughs> we can talk about it more. Um, but they have, so they have preservation, like they have uh, lamp is what it's called. Uh, lighthouse archaeology yeah here we go lamp st augustine lighthouse archaeological maritime program so it's like maritime archaeology specifically not just lighthouses but also maritime themed shipwrecks yeah. and they're doing projects and they have research like this is legitimate um and they have programs uh i can't speak to when they are available and who's, who's serving them but they have done this for a long time wow. it's there's part of Lots a shipwreck. Of, yeah, shipwreck stuff. So it's just super cool. It's not something I see very often. I'd really love to do it like a sh like um, shipwreck episodes or pirate episodes, but we only come out with one every two weeks, and I don't know if we'd be disappointing people by doing something other than a lighthouse on our two weeks. If people would only let us know. Yeah, you guys should let us know. <laughs> so there's lots of um, things that are outside of just the lighthouse here. But uh, I think it's fair to say, and Maritime Museum. The Lighthouse is obviously a beautiful mm -hmm. thing to go see, even if you uh, were just driving by, honestly. so And you can see it's a big scale. We'll talk about the Lighthouse next. So that's their website. Highly recommend checking it out. You can see the Lighthouse, and there she is. Very nice. Little red top. Lots of trees around, which you wouldn't expect because you are you can see that the the ground is all sand. Yeah, it's a, it's and it's on an island. So yeah. this is, you know, St. Augustine, the city is to the left in our mm. screen view. Um, but it, So it's got a long history, and it didn't always look like this, as we know from a lot of lighthouse history. Yeah. So the first settlement I talked about was the Spanish settlers. 1500 to 1800, they were here. The Spanish had the first lighthouse here, and there's no, like, images or depictions I've seen of it, so I didn't include oh, any. Um, we're just going to talk about the modern tower as far as what we can look at. But mm -hmm. um, 1500s to 1800s, it was wood and stone that was locally sourced. That was their version of a lighthouse tower. Oh, wait. The you're Spanish. saying, oh, you were saying when the Spanish were here, they had a lighthouse. Mm -hmm. So oh. the Spanish first arrived in, in what was Florida now. Mm -hmm. And they had domination, they had domain, rather, of this area until 1823. Then it was given to the United States. Oh. So the U.S. got control, oh, excuse me, 1821, and immediately they wanted to upgrade the tower. Right. Because the reason this area is so valuable is it's, an, there's, you know, this spit you can see, mm -hmm. it runs far north and south. So it's a barrier, and you can have ships and, and portage Coming in here out. in this area. So Wow. I didn't know that you were, I thought you were talking about, like, the building of the city, not building of a lighthouse in the 1500s. Yeah, lighthouse as well. And they don't have any, they don't have anything. I didn't find it. It might, someone who's a, a Spanish history 
in Florida, specialists yeah. may know, but I couldn't find it. Oh. So, um, the 1823, <clears throat> the United States Congress permitted $5,000 to be used to update the Spanish built tower. Uh, so update. like, there's a tower there. We just need to, you know, bring it up to 1823 spec. <laughs> so they modified it and it was a 30 foot tower and it went into service in 1824. And here is Ooh. several. So 1842 is written on the image. Sight washed away. Yeah. <gasps> this is so pretty. It is. You know, this is a totally different type of lighthouse than what they have. Like, not that they have to. Yeah. But it's like whenever they rebuilt um, the Alcatraz lighthouse. It's like two very different vibes going on. Yeah. This one more homey and, you know, historical. And the other one's like modern and fun to climb. This one's beautiful. It's yeah. um, I would love to see it in color. But, yeah. So the, the image date contradicts. The Lighthouse Friends is my main source mm. for this episode. They do a great job. I love their yeah. as a source. But they said eight, 1842 is 30 foot here, and Lighthouse Friends had it as 1824. Okay. So maybe one maybe or the other typo, is a typo. Yeah. The lamp at that time was 10 oil lamps that were set in silver bowl-shaped reflectors. Okay. So they didn't have a frame of lens mm-hmm. at that time for now. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Close. Um. We're still learning. Yeah. It was upgraded to a fourth order revolving Fresnel lens in 1854. And the height was increased over 50 feet. There you go. And then, gosh, another contradiction. What does it say? 1848? 1848. And it says 40 there. 1852 is the final. Okay, we're good. We're up top now. (laughs) That's the Fresnel lens is placed in this image. Okay. 1859, um, just a moment in history. Joseph Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-U. The fourth, he was the fourth head keeper of the light. He fell 60 oh. feet to his death. Oh, no. Um, the lashing on the scaffolding he was using gave way okay. while he was whitewashing the tower. Dang. And he would go on to become one of the ghosts excellent. that is haunting the I tower. I mean, not excellent, but. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> whitewashing, it'll get you. Mm. There's a lot of stories of keepers falling. Scaffolding. Lashing. They'll all get you. <laughs> his wife, Maria, uh, she took over as the keeper. And served until it was extinguished um, shortly after the outbreak of the Civil War, American Civil War, which was from 1861 to 1865. Um, So also another ghost moment. Joseph Pacetti, a Confederate soldier, uh, he was wounded while he was trying to remove the lens from the lighthouse in hopes that the Union uh, would not make use of the lighthouse as they were going to lose Florida, potentially. He was wounded? Yeah. By the lens or by invaders? By the lens. Oh. So I heard he hurt himself. But he's another <laughs> lighthouse ghost. fights back. Yeah. It's like <laughs> no. I must keep lighting. My Fresnel lens must keep spinning. <laughs> um there was so the tower was deactivated for that period of time. It was reactivated eighteen sixty seven after the war, and a new lens uh, had to be furnished. Yeah, because that guy yeah. messed up the other one. Yep. Um <laughs> It was clearly evident that erosion was endangering the lighthouse. Oh, no. Here we go again. On July 1st of 1870, the distance from the keeper's dwelling to the high water mark was 70 feet, which is quite a bit. Mm -hmm. By November, so this is July to November, the distance had shrunk to just 40 feet. So How the, is the that whole, possible? The whole landmass was just going. Yeah. It was just, it wasn't like churning slowly. What was the Three Sisters? What was that one? Mm. Uh, was that up in East Coast for sure? Yeah, that that was... um. Cape Cod area. Okay. Yeah, they, well, they were on the edge of a cliff, though. So that Well, and that erosion was straight on. I think this erosion was collapsing into the water. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, not good. The lighthouse board determined that a new lighthouse was needed, and a five-acre tract was located um, just like half a mile inland. Um, they acquired it after some old Spanish land grants and claims to settlers were straightened out. So more paperwork for the lighthouse board, <laughs> but they got it done. Um the plans were drawn up by a man named Paul Peltz, P-E-L-Z. He was a chief draftsman of the Lighthouse Board, and he also later would go on to be one of the two architects that's responsible for the Library of Congress. Oh, my gosh. Kind of cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, construction began in 1872 using $60,000. 60000 60000 
Uh, and then immediately the next year, they added $20,000. Oh, yeah. The walls had grown to a height of just a few feet when all of the funds were gone. No. <laughs> yes. How is that possible? Construction planning has been going well for a long time. <laughs> wow. Did they buy materials with that? or mm -hmm. Okay. Materials. So and like they hired, labor, yep, they ran out. They oh, signed contracts. An additional 25000 allowed the work to continue. And finally, it was done. So the sum is 60 plus 20 plus 25. So $105,000 in the 1800s, mm. which sounds like a lot. Yeah. Um, in 1874, finally it was relit. Okay. So what we, kind of lens we, did they We've been through some, through some things. Also a fourth order, I believe. Okay. It's first order now, isn't it? Yes, it is now. This is the old one we're looking at. The right. new one, it is a first order lens. I'm not done reading my paragraph. Sorry. Gotcha. It is a first order lens, and it's 165 feet tall. It's the one wow. that is shown today, and the day mark is the same as Hatteras. It is the spiral black and white. Mm -hmm. So the left image is in 1966, so it's been like 80 or 90 years since it was constructed, wow. the, the tower at that time. Within a month of this construction, in 1874, a flock of ducks flew into the lantern room. Oh, it's always the, always ducks flying. What are they doing? Ducks, man. <laughs> They're not... You don't need to do they're that. Like, Ooh, a laser beam. <laughs> you, like, you're not moths. Don't go into the light. Well, they're big moths. They broke three panes of glass. Oh. And they caused slight damage to the lens. Jeez. Which would cause it to need to be replaced. But first, a wire screen was installed around the lantern room. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> that was their first move. The tower, the construction is kind of interesting. The brick came from Alabama. Granite for the base came from Georgia. Iron all came from Philadelphia. It was a big old deal. Yeah. The lens, the new one, came from uh, France as well. Of course. For, for now lens, yep. Uh, it was a fixed white light pattern, and every three minutes displayed a white flash. I believe that's the same to today. Okay. 165 foot tall to the, po the focal plane. <laughs> <laughs> the focal plane. Uh, and it was painted, of course, the black and white spiral bands mm -hmm. to match Cape Hatteras. Nice. Yep. They did it on purpose. Mm, yeah. And honestly, if you look at the construction, it's pretty similar to Cape Hatteras. Yeah. The base octagonal shape, and then the really the whole thing looks quite similar to Hatteras. When I first saw this wine bottle, which is very accurate, good for them, um, it reminded me of Cape Hatteras. Yeah. But, you know, only I a thought, foot tall. I thought that they used the same plans for this one as Cape Hatteras. Maybe they did, and my... Um, my notes are confusing that Mr. Pels also was the architect of Hatteras. I can't remember. Right. Okay. I think it, that's a big moment we should we should figure out in Lighthouse history of who was the architect. And maybe it's several people because architects are huge in Lighthouse development. Yeah. We've talked about often there'll be a nameplate or a plaque. Yeah. Like the here is the engineer. Lighthouse engineer, which is a cool job title. <laughs> here I am just a mechanical engineer. Measly. Well, like... um. Body Island and Kiratuk were the same plans that mm. they used for the lighthouse. They're identical, except know. for their different Scale. colors. Yeah. Scale and Daymark, right. On the right image, you can see that white building at the base. That was uh, originally built as a keeper's office on one side, and then the other side was large drums of oil. Lard oil was okay. the original fuel. It was converted to kerosene, and they had to build a new brick oil house that was safer distance away. I assume that's the one on the right, the small mm -hmm. shack, because kerosene is apparently a lot more flammable yeah. and volatile compared to previous lamp oil. So that, that keeper's dwelling is pretty nice. It'll come up. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> While work was underway on the new tower, the Lighthouse Board submitted the following report. Uh-oh. I'm going to speak in a fun accent. A keeper's dwelling will be required. As oh. there was not sufficient or proper accommodations at the old lighthouse for three keepers, the number required to attend a first-order lighthouse. And the distance is too great from the new tower to ensure proper attendance, even if the present dwelling was suitable. So they already got this contract to build this big for the time, and mm -hmm. still big today, beautiful lighthouse. And they're like, we need more money. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And they so wrote the so eloquently. But the original keeper's dwelling was connected to the lighthouse. The original keeper's dwelling, um, not this lighthouse, and the original footprint yeah, yeah. lighthouse was connected. Oh, so they so they're demolished saying the lighthouse part. That tower, kept. yeah. 
that tower is no good, but we could use that house was the original idea. Oh, I see. But, but they're, they're like, saying it's too far it's away. It's too far. Is it in this picture? Gone. Oh. She gone. <laughs> she gone. She went into the water. Oh. 1875. Oh, man. Yeah. Did they actually, just let it go? Yeah. It, it, I'll get right to it. So Congress gave $20,000 at that request to okay. build to build this new duplex, which is nice. beautiful. Um, in the meantime, they lived in that dwelling at, at the old one. Mm-hmm. They continued to live there until the duplex was built, finished in 1875. It was 1880s, five years later, they watched the old one literally topple into the water. Oh, my gosh. So it was, it was within five years, it was oh, yeah. it actually in the water. So not, not been very good. Yeah. So are the ruins just like underwater? You know, I don't know. Because that would be cool. I've never considered that. Maybe that's part of LAMP, um, their archaeological stuff. I wonder if it wasn't like recovered and put somewhere. I I mean, I guess it would just be stone. Maybe it went to heck before it went in the water. But as of 1875, when they finished this tower, um, there were three keepers stationed there. The day was divided into three eight-hour watches. You see eight again. Uh, the primary responsibility, of course, is caring for the light. They lugged 30-pound cans of lard oil mm-hmm, and <gasps> kerosene up the 214 stairs. And periodically, they had to wind the weight, which is 275 pounds in this tower. Oh, yeah. That, of course, revolves the lantern yeah. room mechanism. Um, they also maintained the buildings, provided tours to visitors, even in those times. And when necessary, they served as lifesavers. Uh, this function is demonstrated by two of the following entries from the station's logbook. September 23rd of 1887. Schooner, right? Schooner. Schooner. I think it's Schooner. Schooner Dream went on oh. the sandbar near Old Lighthouse at 3 a.m. Nine passengers rescued by keepers, lost the anchor, sails, and small boat. Oh, man. <laughs> the vessel floated <laughs> off in damaged condition. The vessel floated off. <laughs> Couldn't do anything about it. November 13th of 1890, three years later, 5 p.m., the steamer Star Spangled Banner foundered on the bar, a oh, total wreck. Not good. Oh, no. Crew were rescued by the keeper. Okay. The, the keepers are yeah. just busy. Getting, yeah. Busy. You say three days later? Yeah. Three years later, 1890. Oh, so why is everyone crashing? There's a lighthouse. There's a lighthouse. It's a new lighthouse in those years. Oh, they weren't used to it. Mm-hmm. It's been there... Well, 15 years, roughly 15, 20 years at that time. Mm -hmm. But I think information moved a lot slower in the 1800s. And also, um, these could be storm conditions. One was September and one was November. So not, you know, the nicest. Yeah. One of them also was 3 a.m. Windy and stormy. Yeah. Of course, we hear this a lot about lighthouses. The effects of a powerful earthquake rocked Charleston, South Carolina, which is kind of nearby. What year was that? Uh, 1886. Hmm. The effects were felt in St. Augustine. Uh, William A. Harn uh, provided an entry in the notebook. I'm not going to read it because it's, it is interesting, but we've heard a lot of them. Yeah. Dogs barked. There was a big boom. The tower swayed. Ew. It, it was a, yeah. Ew. So not good. I don't mean to minimize it, but um, it wasn't, you know, what was the one in 1904, right? In San Francisco. I think so. That was like the city was on fire. Yeah. Buildings toppled. It wasn't that extent. Still quite exciting for the man uh, who was in charge of a tower. Swaying buildings are, it's the most uncomfortable feeling. Like when you're like yeah. when you're in a really, really tall building and it's windy and it, you can just feel that it's very slightly moving. It's like, why are you doing that? Yeah, very scary. Here's a fun piece of history. I feel like I've heard this somewhere else okay. too. Life at the station was full of varied activities for the keeper's children. One noted story involves Cardell Cracker Daniels, son of keeper Cardell D. Daniels. <laughs> I was like, that can't be right. Cracker, oh, I love that name. Cracker would regularly use the tall tower in the brickyard as a launching pad for his model airplanes and parachutes. Ooh, that would be cool. After safely parachuting several inanimate objects off the tower, Cracker decided it was time for a live experiment. The cat. Cracker's sister, Wilma, had a cat named Smokey. Yes. Who was selected as the paratrooper. Didn't I, this happen somewhere else? I, no, no. Th- I covered this incident um, because Smokey oh. lives at the lighthouse now as a ghost, as a ghostly cat. Very nice. I covered it in, I think, last year's Halloween episode. Okay. I was going to say, I've heard this before. 
It's been a year. The, okay. J- the cat didn't die. With the it did not die. Yeah. Um, but God, yeah. I those kids would get a thrashing if <laughs> I was like, you just threw our cat. He never told anyone. Watch. Uh, well, he eventually he did. After a couple of practice descents from lesser heights, the poor cat. Oh my God. The reluctant cat was tossed from the top of the tower with a parachute strapped to its back. When the frightened feline reached the ground, it bolted from the area. Unaware of Cracker's antics, Wilma searched far and near for her cat over the next several days. A month passed by before Smokey finally returned home, but it wasn't until several years later that the family learned the reason for the cat's disappearance. Gosh, did it, it ran off with a parachute still attached to him? I guess. A month of lugging it's a around? Cat. A- it was awfully persistent. I bet it got out. <laughs> the keeper's dwelling was electrified in the year 1925. But the tower was not wired up until 1936. So during that time, they had electricity in the ta- in the uh, keeper's duplex there, which looks really nice. Yeah. It's still there, and then the, but the tower was still running on oil. Okay. Um, so you know that that helped out. But the eventually 1936, it was electrified. Destaffing happened in 1955, but there were still local people who would come check on it. They didn't have they just didn't have to live there. Okay. It wasn't full time. Yeah. Uh, They're called lamplighters. Um. Well, they didn't have um, Coast Guard people working? Not yet. It was civilian keepers? Mm. Oh. Yep. Uh, I think they were actually volunteers, but they would, you know, polish uh, the lens. Mm-hmm. They'd switch on and off the light. Um, and then, yeah. Oh, it wasn't automated. That's why. The light was not automated, even though it was electric. So oh. they'd still had people, the yeah. lamp lighters would come, even though there was no fuel oil being burned. Mm-hmm. So automation occurred in 1971. They put a solar beacon on top so it would sense when the light needs to be on and off. Yeah. Which I, I've never really thought about that. Like how that, is it clockwork or digital yeah. or, or wireless I a, signal? I have a note to cover automation in a history buoy, but it kind of seems like it would be a lot of uh, work to research. So I haven't yeah. gotten around to doing that yet. It'll be big. It's going to be huge. Un- huge. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the late 1960s, the dwelling was boarded up. What? It was declared surplus and put on the auction block. Oh, no. So the uh, St. John's County is the, the county in which this is yeah. located. They were negotiating the purchase price of the dwelling when it was completely gutted by an arson fire. July no. 28th of 1970. <sighs> the fire did reduce the purchase price, but made restoring the structure a daunting task. Yeah. The county considered tearing it down, um, and a group called the Junior Service League of St. Augustine, which was founded in 1935 by a group of women interested in improving social, educational, and cultural conditions of St. John's County. Nice. They offered to take on the restoration in 1980, so it sat for a while. Yeah. But what they did is awesome, because starting in 1980 at a pretty much decrepit arson condition yeah it started to be restored eight years later it was opened as the maritime museum oh my yeah. wait you say eight years mm-hmm. 1989 took a long time um do they know do they find out who started the fire no Ugh. could be ghosts could Dang be someone this. who was involved with they wanted to purchase it or no, didn't want it sold no ghost would no ghost would burn down arson their ghosts. old house well <laughs> um That'd be a lot of in- energy for them to conjure up a little flame. Yeah, little, <laughs> little sparky boys. 1990, so just a year later, uh, the Junior Service League, they signed a lease with the Coast Guard okay. for the lighthouse. Uh, and the following year, equipped with safety features, the co- the lighthouse itself was opened again to the public for climbing. Oh, wow. So it was, clo- it was open really early on, which I don't hear about often. Yeah. Like tours were provided by the original keepers mm-hmm. here. And then not available for a long time. And then once they upgraded safety features, like you can see on the new tower, the railing is really good. Yeah. There's, you know, it's clearly Robust. built for visitors. Yeah. In 1986, so during, we'll call it modern times, a bullet was shot from a 30-06 rifle that shattered 19 prisms in the historical Cornell lens. Who the hell did that? Frank Mears, who was a caretaker of the light at that time. Why did he shoot the he lighthouse? He didn't shoot it. He called the FBI. What? Mm-hmm. He said, my tower's been shot. He called the FBI. They did an investigation and found powder burns from a rifle on a nearby palm tree. So who did it? Eventually, they found the 14-year-old responsible <gasps> for the shooting. <laughs> but the senseless act led to the lens being taken out of commission in September 1991. He needs to go to prison. That, that lens. So he probably took his dad's rifle 
and shot at a light because it's something. He's 14. He's an idiot. Yeah, um, he is. And he's like, look at this. I'm going to shoot at this. Oh, so. It's like, do you know how expensive that is? I know. I know. It was expensive. So the light was out of commission. An airport beacon was placed on the tower, 91, um, on top of the tower, above the uh, lantern room. Thank okay. goodness. Um, they balanced options of removing the lens or trying to repair it in place. Um, fortunately, there was a grant obtained, and they replaced the prisms and bullseye panel, one bullseye panel, and it resumed Operation 93. So two years went by of this restoration in place. What were the repercussions for this guy's actions? I don't know. That's the end of that story. Uh, he needs to pay. 14-year-old. He needs to pay. The gun better be <laughs> locked up. Out there shooting rifles this at lighthouses. I know. To pay up. How much was it to replace this piece? It's like a million dollars? It was a grant. I think it was a private private cost. Not publicly published. I'm pissed off. <laughs> I'm pissed. Royally pissed. I hope he learned. Somebody so. should have taught him a lesson. Well, they, they kept it on display. They could throw him out the top of the lighthouse with oh a parachute. boy. <laughs> so we're not there yet. So we're talking 93 was that repair. 98, there was a, so the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Museum was incorporated as a separate entity away from the Junior Service League. They grew it into what it was. So there's a new visitor center that was added in 2000, which is really new in Lighthouse history. It's awesome. Um, accommodates large crowds that come to the lighthouse and climb it. The lighthouse itself, the tower, was awarded to St. Augustine Lighthouse and Museum in 2002 under the provisions of the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act. Okay. 2000. Yeah. So it's all kind of incorporating in the 2000s. But the the reason that I say all that and I include it today is when you see that awesome website, when you see it's a Smithsonian affiliate, when you talk to the people who actually answer emails, which is super nice. Thanks, Emma. Um, it's it's really great, and it's like you know it's out. It's a 15,000 people live here. It's yeah. not a huge city, and people. I bet you most people who go visit as tourists at least once go see this lighthouse. Yeah, definitely. So I don't have those numbers, but it it's a really as far as we're concerned with talking about lighthouse history, but also one of our branches is tourism mm-hmm. with lighthouses. This is, this looks awesome. Yeah. I'd love to go. You know, looking at this picture, I'm thinking. This may have used Body Island's design Maybe plans as these, well. Um, these because features because here. of the little entrance house at the bottom. Yeah. Well, um, Cape Hatteras is on a big platform down here. It right? has, yeah, a red, red base, platform. And it doesn't have that little house connected. But mm. mm-hmm. but both Curatuck and Body do. So. And these are, I think originally these are like fuel storage, these structures. And then they added the, they enclosed it here. Because if you look at some of our other, some of our older pictures... Uh, maybe it was always connected. I can't see the back side of that right image. Yeah, I think it was a plan to have it connected. Before we continue, I'm going to take a second to go back to this wine bottle. Oh, yeah. So I got to tell you, um, $25 is the listed price. I don't remember what I've paid for it, where I have I found it, because I never ordered it from their website. But yeah. St. Sebastian Winery. So it's it's in St. Augustine. They've got a rooftop bar. for. They've got like sandwiches and hors d'oeuvres. They have live music up there. They've got several wines. This is what's actually in the bottle is a wine they make called Vintner's Red, which is, mm. I think, like $15. So It's the, very tasty. You can get it in this. It is really good. We've, we've had it, especially um, our Lighthouse cocktail episode, yes. the, the cocktail hour. We mm-hmm. tried this in a drink that I made up. But it's a sweet red. It's really drinkable. Um, I, this is not sponsored. I wish it was. <laughs> but if you want to give somebody who's into lighthouses a gift, this is a cool bottle it's yeah. attainable 25 bucks i mean the vintner's red is cheaper so the the glass costs you something right but right on the on the bottle and it's not even on the website uh it says a portion of the proceeds are donated to the first light maritime society who is dedicated to discovering preserving presenting and keeping alive the story of our nation's oldest port yeah. st augustine lighthouse and it's got a really cool image on it even uh, if you don't like wine, I, I am not a wine person, and I enjoyed it. And also, you can yeah. just keep it. Like, it's just, it's a very neat little, um, it's a conversation starter. Yeah. So we've got one unopened and one empty that we still have. Mm-hmm. So um, their their I, website's I, cool. I got the idea to, or I got the idea from someone else to cut a little hole in the side and make it into, make them into lamps. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Either fill them with, like, fairy lights or 
run a cord through the top and put a lampshade on top. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, if we wanted to get crazy. I'm <laughs> just on Google. You can see the top things to do in. This is a really cool town to visit. <gasps> wow. Alligator Farm. This is a national monument slash yeah. fort. I want to go there. Um, the castles. Castillo de San Marcos. I shouldn't try. The Littner Museum. Um, so this is, I believe this is the one. It was, it's a university today. It's mm. also at one point, it was a hotel, like oh, a okay. grand hotel. Yeah. So if you look at like aerial photos, it's really cool. Pirate Treasure Museum. Pa- uh, archaeological. Pa- Pirate and Treasure Museum. Yep, yep, yep. We missed out on getting to go to a pirate museum when we traveled. Which one? It was, uh, we were going to go to it on our way out to Ocracoke. And it's oh, yeah. permanently closed. Oh, man. And it I was forgot the day about of that. that I was like, we can, we can, have, we can make time. It was it's like right Blackbeard's, right? Yeah, right next to the ferry. And, uh, yeah. oh. Wasn't it? It was on Ocracoke. It was on Ocracoke. Yeah. But St. Augustine, the lighthouse. And uh, Maritime Museum's up there in the top six things to do. Actually, I think it's listed as number one. Just this image is from Google. Oh, there's a distillery. Mm-hmm. You Cathedral, know. distillery. But Anast- I think it's Anastasia State Park is the island where it's on oh, the island where the, the lighthouse little, okay. is. So it's, it's supposed to be beautiful. So this is a video that we're going to watch now. Okay. Um, I don't know how we're going to handle the audio in the episode. So. We can add it or... As the nation's oldest city, it only makes sense that St. Augustine would also have some of the country's oldest ghost stories. One of the most haunted spots is said to be the historic lighthouse. This is Jack's reporter Aaron Farrar visited the nearly 150-year-old landmark and he talked to people who work there every day dealing with the paranormal. 219 steps all the way up to this observation deck of the lighthouse. We're about 140 feet in the air, but it's what's happened for years below us that really adds to the spooky season. Guests wander around these hollowed halls of the St. Augustine Lighthouse, now 148 years old. Sammy Washburn, who gives Dark of the Moon tours year-round, says there are other visitors among them. Ghosts. Washburn says she's witnessed some of that paranormal activity. He'll open and close windows when they aren't supposed to be open or closed. That's a typical act of this shadowy figure who Washburn says is one of the more popular ghosts. It might be a former lighthouse keeper who also picks up and drops this bucket. Bobby Dye with the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum believes those experiences can catch people off guard. There's a, a level of shock anytime they experience, you know, something paranormal here uh, on the grounds. Washburn has been giving tours here for six years, and sometimes things just get really creepy, like the time she was locked inside the lighthouse. It was definitely one of those, like, jaw-dropping, I can't believe this is happening, how do we get out? Thankfully, I had a fellow staff member with me who was willing to climb out of a side window and unlock the door. Things change when these guests have those paranormal encounters. People sometimes say they're struggling to climb to the top of the lighthouse, and then all of a sudden they'll feel like a hand on their back, kind of guiding them up to the top of the lighthouse. Washburn credits that to this ghost, Maria Andrew, who is dressed in white and is one of the only ghosts she says appears in full body apparition. Maria was the wife of a keeper of the old lighthouse who fell to his death. Then there's Peter Rasmussen, one of Washburn's favorite ghosts. He was the longest serving lighthouse keeper, 23 years on the job in the early 1900s. Washburn says he sends a cherry tobacco scent throughout the entire lighthouse, especially when another guest insults him. Washburn says that's happened before. He called Peter stupid. And as we were exiting the room that we were in, he stopped right in the doorway. And I went back to check on him and I got to the other side of the doorway and there was just this whiff of cherry tobacco, like someone had walked through the doorway in between us. So I think that was Peter just letting this guy know, hey, I've got my eye on you, don't insult me again. The reactions of these mysterious encounters vary, but those who underestimate them, Washburn says, are the best. Those are kind of my favorites because they're usually the ones who are like, I'll be fine. Ghosts could talk to me, ghosts could touch me, I'd be good. But then they actually have something happen and they're like, all right, I'm done, I'm out. So what would you do? Reporting in St. Augustine, I'm Aaron Farrar, Channel 4, the local station. <laughs> so, Hello. Kind of neat. For people not watching, 
the video, they they keep showing this picture of a black form hanging mm. over the railing, staring down at whoever is taking the picture. And I think I've heard of that. Was it um, was it like Ghost Hunters or whatever, Ghostbusters or something? <laughs> whoever the people are that go and film and stuff, Ghost Hunters or something, they uh, they talk about that. Yeah, like you can't see them, and then you take a picture, and there's a, yeah. a flash. <gasps> I hate that. It gives me goosebumps. She was also, I didn't notice until this time when I watched it, her yeah. shirt, I pointed at uh, when we were watching, it has the lighthouse, like the lantern room, and then a little ghost peeking out from around the side in the graphic. So cute. So cool. So that that's the main body of our research today. Um, and then I, I wanted to once again thank the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum for their permission to check out the website. Um, let's see what else I got on here. That's it. So St. Augustine, Florida. That's been a good on the one. list for a long time. Lots of history. Mm-hmm. It's so old. Well, and I I've condensed some things. I'm sure there's more. There's a lot that I didn't include that, you know, kind of general things that we've covered at other lighthouses. Yeah. So, um, just covering things that are unique about this one. There's still quite a bit of quite a bit of stories to tell. Yeah. So a fun place to go visit because there's so much other history yeah. like the lighthouse can just be a part of your trip yeah yeah jacksonville orlando i'm pretty sure i think it's like an hour hour and a half i don't know i, I, I could spend probably a week there you could probably spend a weekend there or a day and you'd have a good time yeah so i'm caught between wanting to do a trip next year where we visit a, a bunch of lighthouses like cape cod where they make it yeah. really easy or visiting someplace like this that has a ton of history and other stuff to to go look at yeah well it's it's a good problem we've got good contacts in a couple of locations yeah that's mostly the bahamas is one that is always tempting to go see there so yeah thank you everybody um i wanted to to point out our our linkedin and our youtube are the two main things that i help manage and both those have been growing a lot lately yeah we've set records every month now yes we've been growing i love it so much and uh please leave us a review we only have two right now but you can go to our website and um you can also leave one through apple or through spotify but it's fun um if you leave comments or something in the description about what you think about our podcast Yep. you can go to the lighthouselowdown.com to leave a review the, peop- the two people that have left a review, ha- it's fun. They're funny and fun to read. So <laughs> nice. We also have our voicemail still running, right? Yes. So if anyone wants to call us about anything, you yeah, go ahead. Yeah, leave us voicemails. It's so much fun. There, it's just a little button in the corner of our our website that floats around as you as you um, navigate through the website. It's just a little microphone. Yeah. So the lighthouse lowdown dot com. The lighthouse lowdown. The lighthouse lowdown dot com. Oh yeah, we sound like an eight hundred commercial. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Um, you want to close it out? Really? Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> what do I say? We'll see you next time. Yeah, we, we hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll catch you next time on The Lighthouse Lowdown.